Philistine generals begin to think about this. And one of them comes to David and they say, David, I'm sorry we had you come up. We've thought about this again and we can't have you going to battle. We're afraid that when you get in the middle of the battle that you are going to switch sides, that you're going to begin fighting for them against us. And, and we can't risk that. And, and so we, we're just going to have you go ahead, just turn around, head back home, and, and perhaps we'll use you at a later time. Now, here he is. Here he is having to face this time when now the Israelites don't want him. The Philistines don't want him. He's in a place where he's settled in Ziklag. But he believes that there is something greater that God has for his life. He believes that there is something that, uh, that, that is, is going to, to come to pass in his life that God wants to do. And, and yet he doesn't know how to obtain it. New life, I just want to tell you that this, I believe that God wants to do something with our church, that God has us positioned in a place right now where He wants to do something great here in the city of Kendallville. That God is in the midst of, of, of sending people out and, and it's not just about what happens here in this building. We gather here as we should, but this is not the church. We are the church. You are the church. And we need to go to the places where the people are lost and they're hurting. The places where they are at. That's what God is calling us to. And we need to get comfortable having conversations on the street corners of Kendallville. And we need to get comfortable laying hands on somebody who is sick and believing that they will recover. We need to get comfortable. Come on, telling somebody that they need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and believe that when you lay your hands on them that they will begin to speak in other tongues and God can fill them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost well we must get used to serving others outside of this property on 609 Patty Lane because we are here to reach the people that God has sent us to and this is what I'm saying there's something greater that God has in store for this church There's something greater that God doesn't want us to just settle for. In fact, this is, this is part of of what we are doing this summer, throughout this summer as, as we're getting out. We have this serve day that's approaching and it's not just another day where we can, uh, where we can just go and, uh, and, you know, just, just go through the motions. No, the, the idea is we want to begin to serve the community where we are in to build connections with the people of this community who are lost, who are hurting, the people in our community that they need to know that there is somebody who has a, a, a message of hope and a message, come on, of, that Jesus Christ is able to deliver. Come on, when they see the force, come on, of God's people going out into the community, Getting outside of the building. That is what we're called to do. We have Friends Day that's coming up. Uh, and that uh, just just a few weeks. That it, it's for you to bring somebody here. And to, to let them experience what God is doing inside the building. 
Well, God, he wants to, to, to use you to reach out to those that you've connected with. We need to start praying people through to the Holy Ghost on our lunch breaks. Well, we must not let go of the promises that God has for, your fa- for you and for your family. Don't let go of that promise that your family is going to be saved. There's pressure to settle. There's pressure to settle for Ziklag. There's pressure to just settle and to conform to the world and the expectations of the culture around you. And, and that's what David felt. He felt this pressure of these, these political systems, these, these two nations that, uh, that, that they're, they're, you know, dragging him here and dragging him there. And, and now he, he's finding, you know, they don't really even want me. And, and we can find ourselves in that very place where, where we're just trying to be politically correct. And, and, and you don't want to offend your friends. You don't want to offend people by, by telling them that there's only one way to heaven. Mom, but there is only one way to heaven. And if you have the message that they need to hear, Mom, let's not be the voice that is not going to speak out. But let's, come on, begin to proclaim the gospel. Begin to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. Here they are. They've been pressed. They've been pressed on all these sides. And, and now they're there. They find themselves on the way back from that battle. Israelites, they don't want them. The Philistines don't want them. They're, they're, they're kind of depressed just a little bit. But while they're walking back in this moment of rejection, they had no idea what was in store for them on those mountains of Gaboa. They didn't know that the things there in their home city, their temporary home, had begun to shift. All they knew was that they wanted to be back with their wives. They wanted to be back with their children. They left them vulnerable. They felt bad about that. They had no idea that while they were gone, the Amalekites had come and they had burned their city. They had set it on fire. They had been pressed. In these ten years of being in the wilderness, they had been pressed by, by running for their own lives, hardly having anything to eat. But what they were about to see was going to push them beyond their limits. Because now, not were they only physically exhausted, but they're mentally, they were exhausted. They had, they had seen what looked like all of their influence come to an end. Their place with the Philistines, their place... Uh, with Saul and Israel, all that had come to an end. Their own brethren are in despair. They can't do anything. And here they are, they're riding home. And they're thinking, at least we have our home. At least we have a safe place that we can go to. At least we can go there. And then all of a sudden, as they make that approach, that final approach to the city of Ziklag, they could see the smoke rising up. And as they rode, they, they hastened their pace, I'm sure. And, and they could see then the, the, the uh, little uh, embers that are still burning, a little fire that's still burning in some areas of the city. And they finally they enter in and they, they rush in from building to building and they, they find their home and they see their home has been ransacked. The tables have been turned over. The glass is, is broken on the ground. The, everything is spilled out. There's, there's, there's uh, cabinets that have been open and the oil is all spilled out and, and, and there's no food left over there. And you can see that there's some areas where there, there was some 
mud and you can see the feet and the bodies that have been dragged through the mud and, and they see nobody is here. This place is desolate. Everything is empty. Every, you can tell that people have been carried out of this place against their will. But there are no dead bodies. There are no animals. There's no treasure. There's nothing. Everything in Ziklag was gone. And they knew that they had been gone long enough that their families could be anywhere. Their families, they could have been sold already on the slave block. They, they could have been taken, their family, their children. They could have all been gone. This is worse than death to think of that. These men were broke. These men, they come to their limits and they said, this city's burnt. All we have, and all we can see is ashes. My family's gone. My kids are gone. It's more than I can handle. I am done with this. But here's what they did not realize. Didn't realize how close they were to everything that they had believed for coming to pass. They didn't understand how near they were to stepping into the promise of what God had spoken over David 15 years before. Because on that same day, in that very battle that David was turned away from, Saul would be killed in that battle. They didn't know that it was impossible for them to understand the gravity of that moment. All they knew was they were at a place of despair. They were at a place of distress. They had been pushed past, past that place of stress. And they're at the place of distress now. So I believe today that there's some in here who can relate to that place of distress. Whether you find yourself there right now. Or you've been there recently. You've had everything that life could throw at you. Be thrown at you. You find yourself at a place of distress here today and for these men it brought them to a breaking point for these men they said this is it how did we get here how how did this happen how how is it that we're here in this desert city ziklag we don't have anyone in israel who wants us the philistines don't want us everyone's fighting our city is rubble our possessions are gone our family is missing well they've been pushed to their limit and and, and, and i don't know has anybody ever been there when you say how did i get here how did i get to where i'm at how did this happen i don't know if i can handle much more That's when the Bible says that these men, they picked up stones. And they were ready to toss those stones and throw them and stone their leader, David. They were so full of grief and so much emotion and, and so much sorrow. And, and they're, they're trying to hold their emotions back for so long and put on their best face. But, but now they've bought themselves, they come to a place of a breaking point. And these men, they pick up these stones and they say, David, if we wouldn't have if brought us here, if we wouldn't have followed you, if you wouldn't have told us, you know, all these hopes and dreams of all these things and we had bought into that, if you wouldn't have been so idealistic about how things were going to happen, if you, if 
we would have just accepted the fact that we were outcasts, if we would have just accepted the fact that we really have no place to belong, if we would have just accepted that fact a long time ago, then I would at least have my family. I would at least have a little bit to my name. So here they are at this breaking point. So when you have this kind of grief, you look for someone else to blame. Look for something else to blame. These men, these grown men, they're weeping. They're, they're, they're sobbing. And the Bible says that they, they cried until they didn't have anything left to cry. They had no more power to weep. And here they are. And I'll tell you that what you do in a situation like that, in a moment like that, determines everything. What we do as a church, what you do, and what I do as an individual, what, what your family does, how you approach a situation like that determines everything. David was in that place too. His family was gone. Everything that he had hoped and dreamed for, gone. How David responded in that situation meant Everything. See, David could have just been a little footnote in scriptures. He was a man, he had a lot of promise, but he died under a rock in Ziklag. See, if David has the wrong response, we don't know about all the great things that he would eventually eventually do and the greatness that God would have for him. See, the hope of the world was resting in that man. The hope of generations was resting in David. David was the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus Christ. The hope of the Messiah was resting in David. At that moment, there was so much pressure. The Bible says that he himself was greatly distressed. And somewhere though, after all the flames had gone out and after they're laying there in the ashes, this one little spark begins to light up in David's heart. And he suddenly has that memory of kneeling there before Samuel and Samuel pouring that oil over his head and anointing him and saying that in his voice saying, you, my son, will be king. He remembers that God is faithful to his promises. God is faithful and just to, to, to come and, and to, to, to do what he has promised to do. That God is going to come through every time. And David, remembering what God had promised over his life, he stands up in that moment and he says, I don't have anyone to support me. Everyone is against me right now, but I am not going to give up on the things that God has pronounced over my life. I'm not going to give up on the promises. I'm not surrendering the anointing that God has placed on my life. I'm not going to do it. And then it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. <laughs> See, today, 
Sometimes you just have to stand up again, dust yourself off, and say, I know nobody else believes it, but I believe the promise of God is going to come to pass. I believe it for myself. I don't care what you say. I don't care what the haters say. I don't care even what my friends have to say. I can trust the voice of God and everything that He has promised to come pass in my life. Lord, you have to shake off all the fear that you're living in, the discontentment that you have, the worry that you have about tomorrow. Come on, is anybody there where you're in a place right now where you feel like you know that there's greater things to come, but you've settled for what you're living in right now? And let me tell you, to encourage yourself in the Lord, encourage yourself and say, God, I believe your promises. God, I believe that everything that you've spoken over me It's going to come to pass. God, I believe that revival is coming to this city. God, I believe that this church is going to play a role in the end time revival. That churches will be birthed out of the pews of this city. I believe that there's nations that are going to be reached because of those who are here right now. Well, is there anybody who still believes the voice of the Lord? Is there anybody who still believes that what God said is going to come to pass? Come on, your story is not finished. Your story is not finished. I know that somebody else may say it's done. I know that everybody else may have rocks and they're saying, all right, this is the end of the road. But you say, I'm going to encourage myself today and believe that God is still able. Come on, it may look bleak, but David, he did have a little bit of hope because as he began to look around, he said, you know what? There are no dead bodies. As long as there's not any dead bodies here, that means they're still alive somewhere. They're still alive somewhere. And as long as they're still alive, that means I can go get them. And if I go get them, God's going to be with me. And God's going to help me set them free. And that's exactly what David did. He got his men together. And he said, let's go after those who have destroyed your promises. Let's go after them. And David encouraged himself. And they went and they got everything that had been stolen from them. Come on. I'm coming to a close right now. Come on. Is there somebody here right now as God is moving on you? I want you to stand up and say, I believe the promises of God. Is there somebody right now who can stand and say, I'm going to encourage myself when nobody else is going to encourage me when nobody else is there to pull me up I'm going to grab my bootstraps and just pick myself up and look around and say God I still have your word God I still have your promise God I still have you by my side God you haven't left me yet God you haven't forsaken me yet God you're still here God there's still revival come on Uncle Come on. You don't have any reason to say it. You don't have any reason to believe it. Except for the fact that God is in it. 
Come on, God is in it. Come on, the words that you speak right now, the words that you speak in that situation, they matter. You give life to the things that you speak. You give life to the things that you begin to say. Come on, there is death and life in the power of the tongue. You speak life right now. You speak life when you're in that place of deliverance. You speak life. Yeah, yeah, yeah.